Have you been looking for a Taekwondo podcast with qualified people who know what they're talking about, who help you keep up with everything going on in the Taekwondo world? Well, you found it. This is the Taekwondo Podcast. Taekwondo news, competitions and other events, training and sports science, keeping the fans, coaches, and high-performance athletes up to date with the latest news and trends on Olympic Taekwondo. Let's do this. This is the Taekwondo Podcast. And now your hosts, Coach Caesar Valentim and Peter Nessler. Hello and welcome to the Taekwondo Podcast. We are a podcast based out of Austria, in English language, for everyone out there who likes Taekwondo. In this episode, we talk with Coach Dennis White from Florida, Taekwondo trainer, the coach from several top athletes and Olympians. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Coach Cesar Valentin and with me is Coach Dennis White. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Hi, Cesar. How are you? I'm uh, doing good here in Florida. Yeah, me too. Well, well, very busy with the Taekwondo season. For those who are listening and don't know who you are, would you please tell us a bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a club owner and I've been at club with USA Taekwondo for... Uh, for over 20 years and um, in that uh, time I have uh, been a part of USAT's uh, coaching staff on the cadet junior um, senior level and even uh, world championships and youth olympic games so been doing this for a while now We've known each other for quite a while, did countless camps together, and our athletes had opportunity of developing friendships, almost as strong as the two of us as coaches. But most of the time we've met was on this side of the pond. Why is traveling to Europe so natural for American athletes, but the opposite isn't true for the Europeans? I I think it has, in, in, in my opinion, it has to do with uh, the fact that European Taekwondo in general is... is uh, a step ahead of what we have available here in the U.S. So we we don't get opportunities to easily go to international competitions. You know, within driving distance, we don't we don't have international athletes that we can uh, train with on a regular basis. So if I as a as a coach myself, I knew that if I wanted to help my athletes be the best that they could be, they needed to go to Europe. You as a as a black belt have been in Korea when you were young, but you've been coming to Europe for quite a while. Uh, how was that it came to the idea of coming to Europe and who did you talk to first and what was your introduction to European Taekwondo? Yeah, I was uh, I trained in Korea when I was in the military as an 18-year-old and um and that was a that was a great experience for me. When I became a club owner, I hosted some competitions here and I was very fortunate to have a good friend of mine named Sus Ramal come to Florida with his athletes and participate in our competition. And, um, that was, a an eye opener for me because, uh, he has many great athletes and 
So that kind of planted a seed in my head. That was way back in maybe 2003 or 2004. And um, from from that point, um, I started getting more active in trying to help my athletes make it to the national team level and then realizing that making national team wasn't should not be the end goal, but thinking at a higher level. So, so I reconnected with Jesus and, uh, with his winter training camp. And so I, I had the opportunity to take a group of, group of my athletes to, uh, to that camp. And, uh, it helped me to, to make a lot of changes in the way I run my program and push my athletes. Ramal is uh, someone that, of course, influenced uh, many of us, me included, as one of my best friends. And he has uh, recent uh, came into the spotlight with a medal from Adriana at the Olympics. And most people outside of the US don't know this, but you've coached Anastasia Zolotich from white belt all the way to a youth Olympic medal, her world championship title. So your formula is much be a little different, but how can you bring the development from the grassroots level all the way to the big stage? Yeah, I mean, it was a long road, but, um, you know, it started, it really starts with, uh, with seeing uh, possibilities in a, in a child, really, and then developing that. So in Anastasia's case, uh, she was very competitive as a, as a, as a young child. So I tried to nurture that and bring her to as many local competitions. And she, from a, from a young age, she was doing very well in competitions. And, uh, and then as soon as she became of age as a cadet, we started traveling internationally to Jesus's camp, to, uh, to the Austrian Open. And we just kind of, kept working in that direction, trying to find new challenges and competitions, camps. It was a very long road, I will say, but um, we had a lot of fun along the way. I've been uh, following your works. We've met at the camp, I don't know, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. And you've been to Austria, we've met here. Uh, Anastasia has been here alone when you sent her, when she was visiting family. And she's maybe the most famous athlete you have right now, but you do have uh, quite an amount of players. I remember Aero, White, your own daughter, and many others from your team that were quite good. Did they start with you in the special program? When did you notice they had competition level? Yeah, so um, I have, at my club, I have a, uh, a program where I children come directly from their school to to my program and they have about three hours with me each day so it's an after-school program we call it and um so fortunately i i get to uh interact with a large number of of children and you know i just i'm constantly looking for for that diamond in the rough when i when i meet new students and you know and uh, fortunately it, it it's worked out for me that i've been able to help a lot of athletes uh have some really great success. Uh, my daughter Ara included. She's uh she was a six-time USAT team member and uh she's a great young woman who is now uh working on her education. 
Well, we'll talk a little bit about your program on the second half. We need to go for a short commercial break. Stay tuned. This podcast is supported by Hawken Dynamics. Hawken Dynamics believes that technology is most useful when it stays out of your way. That's why Hawken developed the world's first wireless force plate system with extreme usability. It is the quickest, easiest to use and most robust solution on the market. It is trusted by all sports organizations, large and small, as well as tactical, military and rehabilitation environments around the globe. It's force testing in the palm of your hand. Here at Vintekundo Center, we use Hawken Dynamics to test and monitor our team. The cloud-based platform allows us to access data and publish a variety of reports on the go. My favorites are trend reports and, of course, weight reports, where I can monitor different metrics to view progress and identify performance indicators, or to compare weights to a baseline data range. I use it on a daily basis to identify readiness. A simple jumping test takes me less than a minute to assess the entire team. Having my own Hawken Dynamics force plates allows me to test reactive strands, maximum strands, rate of force development, asymmetry and so much more. The real-time feedback on the app is useful not only for testing, but as a training tool, making it more accurate and at the same time more engaging for the athletes. If you are interested in learning more about Hawken Dynamics or getting your own, the team can be reached at info at hawkendynamics.com or on Instagram or Twitter at hawkendynamics. This podcast is sponsored by First Beat Sports. First Beat Sports combines the most comprehensive analytics in team sports with a customizable interface to support real-time monitoring, recovery monitoring, performance management, and much more. The result? Data-driven decisions that support your athletes and team training, recovery, and performance goals. First Beat Sports is trusted by professionals. Over 23,000 athletes representing over 1,000 teams around the world rely on the solution to train and plan with confidence on a team and individual level using HRV-based insights. For more information, please visit our website, firstbeat.com sports. When talking about Taekwondo training, we need to talk about Athlete Analyzer. Athlete Analyzer is the first Taekwondo-specific athlete monitoring system. It is used by both national teams, regional squads and small clubs to maximize performance, prevent injuries and communicate with both athletes and trainer teams. Athlete Analyzer is a cloud-based system with a friendly smartphone app. You can plan and monitor every aspect of your training even when you are not in the gym with your team. The easy-to-use video analysis tool is not like anything you've seen. It helps you understand your athletes and even their opponents, making this app the only tool you need to manage your team. Before I used Athlete Analyzer, I spent an absurd amount of time in front of the computer, creating spreadsheets and using half a dozen software solutions. I have athletes in my center, but also abroad, and with Athlete Analyzer, it's much easier to communicate, plan, and monitor their development. Now that I have extra time, I can focus on what matters, training my athletes, and it still leaves me some room to do other stuff, like this Taekwondo podcast. Athlete Analyzer offers you a two weeks free trial, Visit them at athleteanalyzer.com to sign up or click on the link in the episode's description. To get the most of your free trial, I recommend you first book a free personal demonstration with Nicholas. It will give you a great insight of what Athlete Analyzer has to offer you and your team. It is well worth the time. You're listening to the Taekwondo Podcast. Now back to your hosts, Coach Caesar Valentim and Peter Nessler. Welcome back. We are here with Coach Dennis White from Florida. We've been talking about his programs. 
the development from an athlete all the way to an Olympic medal. And now we have an opportunity to talk a little bit about his secrets. So, Dennis, I have a couple of questions for you that probably other people also have. And that's, what's the role of the club trainers and what they sh should do in the high performance? And how involved should the club coaches be in the athletes program once they join the national programs when these are available? Well, um, that's, a, that's a big question. Um, in my opinion, uh, it, it has to start with the club coach, um, obviously. Um, but the club coach should, should really work to help the athletes get to the point where they can, they can excel with the national team. So we have to, as a club coach, we've got to make sure that they know, know the techniques that, that they're going to be using, uh, with the national coaching staff. We also have, have to get them up to the point where they, where they can, can handle the workout load, uh, because that is a common problem when many, uh, us athletes go to our, um, athlete academy. They, um, they may be talented, but the workload is more than they're used to and it can be, it can be a real problem. So I think that, uh, you know, our USAD coaching staff loves to work with, uh, home coaches to help them develop with within their club and and then it makes it a much easier transition for for a uh, for an athlete when they do get into the athlete academy. We had the opportunity to talk to coach Garrett Brown a few episodes ago and he does have the academy where he invites the the clubs Do the athletes stay in touch with, with the clubs after they join the national programs? But because, for example, in Belgium, I know that there is a mandatory percentage of time they should give back to the clubs. Of course, the geographically um, barriers are not the same as, as in US. If you are in the National Excellence Center, you are two to four to five hours away by plane to your local clubs. But do you still have the opportunity to, to keep in touch with the athletes and have them come back to the club? So it depends on, on the, on the athlete. Not all of the, uh, athletes who train with the national team are full-time residents. Some of them go out for periods of time for a week or two week, weeks and then return to the club. Um, but, uh, but in Anastasia's case, Anastasia is a full-time resident athlete at the academy. So she, her whole family has relocated there and um so i uh, unfortunately i don't get to uh i don't get to see her as much as i would like but uh but i know she's working very hard where she is yeah i guess when the family gets uh relocated and there is no much of an excuse of spending the thanksgiving or the holidays with the family if they're already there with you um there's probably a question that many of our listeners in europe have because the system over there is so different from what we have in the different European Union countries, is that how can you run a taekwondo business and still have the time and the resources to produce competition athletes? Well, that is the, that is a challenge for 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 all club owners here in the U.S. as well, because you have to have a balance of doing business that will keep the doors open and pay the bills. 
And at the same time, you've got to be able to devote time to, to those elite level athletes. In my case, I, I devote, um, a period of time in the later in the day from 7 p.m. till 8 39 p.m., three to four days a week. And that way I, I'll just have my elite level athletes return and we, we really, focus on their needs um at that point but my day starts much earlier than that with our as i mentioned our after school program and then our traditional taekwondo classes and uh even still we still have some zoom classes so uh my days are pretty busy but um but i try to do my best sure that my athletes can succeed well, my center in Vienna is a little bit like yours. We do have the traditional kids uh, training classes and then the adults and the teenagers, just the, the base athletes. And then they have the right in the evening, even later than you, we have the high-level elite athletes. Of course, they get the training plans, they get the stress and conditioning plans and different hours, and they also have the possibility of using the venue in the morning for their competition trainings. But all of these comes to elite athletes at club level are not professional athletes. In the case of my athletes, they don't get paid. They don't get a salary. They have to find um, a source of income. Or if they're living with their parents and they're still studying, they have to go to, to a high school or to an university. How is it over there? Uh, very similar. The majority of my team are junior, cadets and juniors. I have a, a few senior athletes and, and, and they're all you know, self-funded, uh, they've got a, they're, they're balancing just like yours are between college and work. And, uh, you know, just, it, it's a struggle for everybody. There's, there's no, uh, there's, there's very few people in the United States Taekwondo, uh, system that are fully funded like, like Anastasia and a few other athletes are. So for most of most of the athletes and families, it's it's a struggle to to uh, to to get by to to still be able to invest their time and money to help their children, um, you know, get to levels uh, the level of success that they would like. One of the peculiarities of uh, American sport, when I talk about Americans, I talk about, of course, USA, uh, it's the college sport. Do you guys have a kind of a, a college program for Taekwondo over there? We really do not. Most cases for us, when one of my students goes to university, usually that's the end of their Taekwondo career. Um, there is a collegiate uh, program, but it is... It, it, It includes a lot of colored belts. Uh, it's not really elite, but um, but yeah, it's uh, there's not really any program here for these athletes. Well, for the elite that are in university, do you get them to the university world games, or do you have a continental university championships, or even a national university championships? Yes, we uh, we have we have a collegiate national championship, and uh, we also have uh, you know. World University uh, Championships, and um, but most of the U.S. athletes who go to collegiate nationals, um, they they're not they're not the, usually the elite athletes. They're um, recreational athletes for the most part. 
Yeah, I guess that's um, pretty much the same here. When the, the countries that have national university championships, it's uh, you get some of the elites because they go and represent universities and are trying to qualify for uh, um, the recognized events like the university or the university world games. But then you have a lot of others that just compete once a year, and that's the university championship. So it's uh, it's it's more a collegiate environment, and it's not so high level. Um, one of the things that it's interesting is that sports science in USA is really, really big in terms of university, uh, in terms of research and development, partnerships between universities and college uh, sports with uh, high performance centers and with the professional teams. Does Taekwondo have, maybe not in your case, but anywhere in USA, that kind of uh, connection, like in terms of research and scientific uh, university research with the strengths and conditioning or athletic development of Taekwondo players? To my knowledge, no. I'm not aware of any, any, any researchers who are working specifically with Taekwondo. Uh, the sport of Taekwondo or Taekwondo athletes, but uh, but that would be that would be great if uh, if that were to occur. But to my knowledge, it has not. Well, the <laughs> a little segue to one of our sponsors. Probably you should talk with the Hawken Dynamics. They have an amazing team for their force plate development. They help the teams with a lot of the testing. That if you don't have access to a university, um, you mostly don't have access to uh, your force plate systems. Your uh, RSI or rate of force development um, because the club club coaches and the club level don't have that kind of equipment with a few exceptions and so it's it feel quite interesting for us in um, in Europe that we have to go to US to get all this equipment and I have from US and Canada a lot of the equipment I remember my first uh, velocity based training wireless uh, devices were from Canada my cable uh, uh, pools, the portable ones, are from Canada. Uh, sorry, from US. Um, my force plates come from over there, and yet you guys over there don't get access to this. Um, should it be like a club initiative, or do you think that the national or governing body should already try and sync this approach with the uh, sports science uh, tech and sports science universities? I think it would be great if our national staff was uh working in that direction and 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 i know they do uh they do some sports science uh work with their athletes but but i haven't seen a big push to capitalize on on the possibilities of sports science in taekwondo but uh but i i also know that a lot of club owners are are uh are interested in and you know are, are very curious about how how they could help their athletes through sports science and uh, uh, listening to your previous podcasts. Um, I, I myself am very interested in uh, what Hawkins dynamics has to offer and how it might help my athletes. Yeah, I think the really honestly stand behind athlete analyzer uh, as a athlete management system. It's very, very good and very affordable. And then the Hawking Dynamics, of course, those are, I usually say that's my favorite toy. It is not a toy. It's a very important tool and you can use it in very creative ways. Um, I don't use it for the regular stuff. Uh, 
uh, testing and development uh, stages only, but I also do it for sports specific because you can do um, the contact times, you can do, especially on the stepping, a lot of uh, kicking power as well, you can do all of it. So yes, there is an opportunity to develop sports science over there and I'm uh, I hope that US uh, gets the lead on that because you are, in terms as a country, in terms of sports science, uh, the source of most of the good research, the source of most of the good technology, and I hope that taekwondo clubs have access to those uh, systems. Yes, me too. Thank you, Dennis. It was a pleasure being here with you and with everyone who is listening. This was the Taekwondo Podcast. If you haven't already listen to our other episodes that are available wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are releasing new episodes every Tuesday. Stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a positive review, and share it with your friends. See you next time. You've been listening to the Taekwondo Podcast, keeping the fans, coaches, and high-performance athletes up to date with the latest news and trends on Olympic Taekwondo. Your host, Coach Cesar Valentim, has almost 20 years of experience with high-performance Taekwondo and has worked all around the world as a Taekwondo trainer. Peter Nessler has been teaching Taekwondo for more than 20 years, and he's currently one of the top referees in Europe. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at Taekwondo Podcast, on Facebook at Taekwondo Cast, and the website TaekwondoPodcast.com. See you next time.